0: talk with ricky bias and jc enjoy the show ladies and gentlemen we are back ricky had the cues from the founder the face of the franchise and the team to take the lead today it is his show let me turn the reins over to him at this time go ahead
1: hello everyone thank you for the founder the face of the franchise glad to hear that the contract negotiations are going a little bit better than what they were before it was just downgraded from defcon 5 all out war defcon 2 just having some coffee and maybe defcon 3 a union strike but either way so welcome everybody to hr talk jc is broadcasting from buffalo new york the former epicenter for covid-19 wow. I'm broadcasting from Orlando, Florida, the new epicenter for COVID-19. Thank you very much. Proud. Pretty proud. We got oranges and COVID. That's what Florida has. And as of yesterday, the mouse is back.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard. Oh, sorry. No,
1: no, no. You're good. You're good. No, I'm you're not good. supposed no, to talk. Go ahead. Sec. You're not supposed to talk, dude. Come on. No, but dude, check this out. We have an amazing guest today. And let me tell you, man, this guest that we have. She and I met about a year, year and a half ago. And ever since then, ever, ever had those relationships, JC, where um, uh, it's it's gone two or three years and you're like, wow, we've only known each other for about four months because you're having that much of a good time. That's who this person is. So I want to welcome to the show. Ricky, I do have Ms. that special Summer. intro music. Oh, oh, go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Special intro music. Go ahead. Yes, we do got special intro music.
2: Hi, I'm Summer Sharad. Hi, I'm Summer. Hi, I'm Summer. Charade. Hi, I'm Summer. Summer
1: Sharad. Hi, I'm Summer Sharad. Hi, I'm Summer Sharad. If you didn't notice, by I am that- Summer
2: Sharad, and I'm I'm frankly scared right now after what I just heard. Thank you for having me. <laughs> if this you is haven't scary. Noticed
1: it, Summer Sharad. Oh. benefits hr extraordinaire is on the show with us summer how the heck are you
2: i'm doing well thank you so much for having me on
1: it's been a long time coming because we be we, we we've been talking all uh, for quite some time to get you on the show and it's finally happening so i'm really really excited for today um but yeah it's uh it, it's you're here jc's here we're finally us three together it's the summer of 2020 or twenty twenty summer. <laughs> How do you feel about that? It feels
2: amazing.
1: Does it really?
2: Wow. Every day's amazing <laughs> if you if you think it is.
0: You just I took her excitement level through the freaking roof, Rick. And I'm I'm gonna I jump in and finally talk for a go, second here, brother. And summer, it's my pleasure to talk with you and see you on the uh, on the on the chats here, even though I'm only getting an icon. I'm good with this. Look. It's been a crazy past 24 to 72 hours. I have to share it with you and the entire listening audience, and here's why. Ricky got into a Twitter war, and this was above and beyond. And there was all this stuff that happened last night, and I got a phone call at 11.30 p.m. last night that said you cannot lead the show, you cannot talk as if this program has anything to do with you in the beginning because Ricky is now in charge of the program solely. I'm like, what happened here? The week prior, you fired him, and you said you did not want him in charge of the show. He was only a guest. They said, yes, we're taking that away from you and giving it back to him because he did amazing things on Twitter with his global HR credentials. Now, I don't even understand what the frig is going on Summer, you are the third party entity in this discussion. You're going to help us sort and sift through this, Ricky. What the frig is happening right now? Well, I don't know. Are you asking Summer? Or are you asking I'm me? I'm asking you, and she's going to be the third party bystander to help decipher okay. your words. Because I'm done talk. I'm not allowed to talk right now. I guess.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? You're good, JC. You're good. You're 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 you've had your performance reviews have been exemplary these past couple of years, so you're okay. But yeah, I was a um. I was on Twitter, as I normally go on every every now and then, and I, saw, I happened to catch on a thread with some folks talking about performance improvement plans, and it, it's obviously I jumped into it, because as we all know, PIPs, performance improvement plans, get a negative stigma attached to them, and when they do, then people started jumping on, piling on, on how horrible they are, so I had to kind of jump in and kind of start, you know, continue the conversation, um, kind of steering the pitch to more of a tool that's used or can be misused versus the issue with the tool itself. So that's why today I kind of wanted to talk about, and, and I'm happy we got Summer on. So get her take on it as far as what a it, it's how valuable is a performance improvement plan tool in any organization, whether it's for the employer or for the employees, So Summer, it's, it's, have you had any experiences with a uh, piss before?
2: I have. And, you know, I was a generalist for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that the biggest mistake people do with performance improvement plans is that managers use them as ammunition, and they use them as a standalone tool. So, i.e., you have an employee who's underperforming, you feel a major disconnect, they're not serving the organization well, bam, I'm going to give them a performance mm-hmm. improvement plan, move them out of the organization and it's all going to take care of itself. Well, that is great from a tactical standpoint but it also doesn't lend itself to a positive culture and a place where people can grow and thrive. So I just believe that And Ricky, we've had long philosophical debates about this, but Mm -hmm. I believe that managers need to be human and have relationships with people where they can uncover what the root of the, you know, lack of performance is. So you have that heart to heart conversation, you know, how do I help you achieve your goals and how do I help, how do we help achieve the organization's goals? So then if there's a misalignment, that that's a conversation that is a healthy one that both parties kind of come to on their own together versus I'm throwing a performance improvement plan over the wall. Have a nice day.
0: Summer, I got a question for you though. Isn't it plausible though, when we think about this, like from the tactical perspective of an organization, couldn't, couldn't an organization take a, a fantastic employee, (laughs) include a performance improvement plan, put them on this thing solely with the intent of trying to, Can them, get them out the door, find a way to move forward with some sort of odd constructive discharge type thing in a world where they're creating a hostile environment because they don't want the person around.
2: Yes. And to me, I don't like to, I would, I would coach managers on this all the time. You need to get back to the brass tacks, which is what is the organization trying to accomplish and what people do we have aligned with that mission and and Mm -hmm. the strategy and stop being emotional about it. Because when um, when managers get emotional because they simply don't like working with a person or maybe someone's difficult, maybe they're quirky. I mean, there's all kinds of diversity and inclusion components there that get somehow clouded into it. So I just think, just boil everything back to what's our business strategy and how are mm-hmm. we stacked against that and who are the players we need and then be human about who those players are.
1: So that's my question because it, it's, you're Right people managers some managers do weaponize a pip process they do. Um, they do so but that's not but a pip is crucial but it really is how it adds value is how it's used because when somebody is lacking in performance uh, just because some managers don't use pip in the right manner it doesn't mean we shouldn't use a pip to help it a, a, truly help a person to move the performance needle from A to B because it's I can't just go to somebody and say, hey, you're not doing this right, do it this way, and then that's it, and expect the performance to be better. What a PIP is, is a strategy. So to me, what what I was trying to convey in Twitter yesterday or a couple of days ago, I forgot when it was, um, it's, it's the, the issue is not necessarily the PIP. It's the stigma surrounding it because so many managers weaponize it as a way to get rid of the bad apples because, quite frankly, they don't have the backbone to really have those uh, down-to-earth conversations about their performance. And if they don't right. know how to do that, chances are the culture of trust isn't there. There's that, that phrase again, JC.
0: That's yeah, but, not there. But but and but they might start they might be trying to create a situation though too at the same time where they don't have the backbone to sit down and say, look I personally don't like you anymore and you're too old and I need to fire you. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> they're, they're not going to do that because they're afraid of EEOC. So they're going to turn something yeah. into a, a PIP plan and then force you out the door that way after they create your life hell and make you work 200 hours a week or something. That's right. That's so right.
2: Well, I, I have another point to make about PIP, though. So uh-huh. there is value in the fact that sometimes people simply hear what they want to hear. And I've seen some really good managers Have great, meaningful conversations, say over the course of six months or a year, and the person is not getting it because they don't want to hear and engage head or heart. So I think a PIP is more like a journal process where there's the accountability there when the manager has done all the right things and not weaponizing, but the organization cannot have dead weight to, you know, agreed.
0: Meet its no. goals, But you got to you got to take up. that risk. You got to step out there and embrace the emotional intelligence aspect of who you are as an individual and, and expose yourself through that pit process to the employee at the same time and be vulnerable. And there's a, and I had a vulnerable. hard time saying that yes. word, but you, thank you. Say it again yes. for me, please. I'm struggling with that word today.
2: Vulnerable.
0: Vulnerable. There it is. That's right. So many people have such so a mean. hard time with that, though. It's a great point. Saying it? Yeah, they really have a hard time saying it <laughs> and the actual
1: <laughs> act itself.
2: But Brene you know Brown guys? is not happy with you right now, okay?
1: <laughs>
2: Who's not happy with me right now? Brene Brown. Doc Brown. The queen I of vulnerability.
1: Oh, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Sorry. Ricky. <laughs> oh, Ricky. <laughs> Actually, no, I take it back. You and I did talk about this, and I had that same reaction last time. <laughs> yes, you know what, Summer. You, you and I have had. See, this is me being vulnerable right now. You and I have had some really deep conversations. Everything from we, me wearing a muumuu and a beard, with ha- having a whip in my hand and a beer in the other hand. Okay, and then right. you having a top hat on, walking down a an an aisle with a whip as well. You want to explain that there, Summer?
2: Um, this does not sound like an HR activity <laughs> anymore, but it was. It was. Disrupt HR is actually the the venue where we can be um yeah. a little wilder than we normally are in the HR world. So thank you, Ricky, for indulging me with the moo moo. But um you know, you know what is a good point though. That is not traditional the way that we do things in disrupt HR, and it's because change is needed. HR people are viewed as just um figures at the table that weigh in on legal stuff or you know just the normal everyday rote problems that managers have and there is so much more value when there's passion brought to the table and when there's a real you know a real concern for the culture and the way that people behave at work and the way they feel when they go home from work so it's just i think it's a reawakening of the hr discipline that has frankly become stale in so many ways and it's it's why i kind of hit eject out of my own hr generalist you know space Mm. which maybe i'll be back one day maybe i won't but disrupt hr is needed and i think more people need to kind of look within and say have i become that hr person who's just taking up space and and quote unquote asking for a seat at the table which is so old and outdated i mean silly
0: tie it together for me so we have a Moo, -moo, we have whips and chains we have disrupt hr (laughs) we have a whole lot going on and for anyone not in the know right now which one of the eighty thousand listeners to this program this week is going to Chime in and say, what the hell are they talking about? What What are the two of you talking about? If you could lay the scene for me. Yeah, so some...
2: I think this... Re- <laughs> so the reason why I had a whip and the reason why Ricky had a moo-moo is because we're trying to push boundaries here, right? We're trying to say we don't need to do things the way we've always done them. And guess what? You kind of need to laugh and have fun along the way. But, That's but the where, way you grow. That's the, the, the way summer, you help each other learn.
0: Where was this, though? I mean, it, it was just like at an at a afternoon drive to sonic together or like uh, it was a corporate it was a board meeting
2: okay so so i happen to be the chief excitement officer of disrupt hr daytona and it was our inaugural event and i said i'm not going to do it the way all the other chapters have done it because again i'm quite disruptive as a person Mm -hmm. so uh we went with a um the greatest showman theme right because to me To me, all of the music in that entire movie is so powerful and moving. It's just really inspirational. It actually got me to think about my career differently. So I said, I think we're going to show up as the greatest showman because we're pretty badass HR practitioners, you know? So Ricky was, you know, kind of pushing back For weeks on me, but I said, it doesn't matter what you say. You are doing what I say you're gonna do. Love it. So he did, and um Leslie Uh Della Russo was amazing too in her beautiful gown that she wore. And I um I was of course the ringleader because I'm quite controlling and demanding. So we had sixty people from Daytona area. Come so mostly HR generalists and you know people in the community that came and I think it was a great time. In fact, I mean I'm looking forward to the next event when we can kind of move past all of the the social distancing that we've had.
1: So so let me explain something because the reason for for, for so everybody can understand the reason I was pushing back is that somebody came to me with the idea. I'm like that is an awesome idea. Let's all dress up. And she's like, Ricky, you're the bearded lady. I'm like, oh. OK, <laughs> sure. And I'm like, I can't. So I can't find anything that fits me. I'm a big boy. And then Summer goes, just go to the Goodwill and look for an old prom dress. So just buy your beard and you're good. <laughs> I'm like, OK. I went to the a couple of Goodwills. And, you know, the idea is good in theory. I didn't think how I was going to sound walking in and asking somebody, excuse me, do you have a prom dress that I can buy? And if they show me some, I will have to try it on. I did (laughs) not think about how that would come across while I was there. Thank goodness they didn't have any. (laughs) I I pushed back and said, I'm like, dude, I can't find anything. And it's two days before, she's like, I got you. And she she said, just show up, have the beard, and I just, I got everything else. (laughs) And if you haven't seen Summer, she's a tiny little thing. And I walk in. She's already dressed up. She gets her top hat. Everybody's dressed up. There's the strongest man, and somebody is dressed like something else. And she says, "Ricky, here you go." And she brings out this humongous muumuu that it 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 it, it just looked to me it fit perfectly, right? But on her, it's like wow, that, that's going to drape her over. So all right, in front of everybody, I put the muumuu on. Got a beer. Had my beard. And next thing you know, we started rocking and rolling. But you know what, Summer? You're a hundred percent right because it's it's the way HR. Well, actually, the history of HR comes from personnel and administration. It does. have that, that don't make stigma. me cringe, please. Yeah, yeah see, that's terrible. It's got that stigma, no. that negative stick in the mud stigma. That's why I appreciate disrupt HR so much, and I appreciate people like you and me when we get together. Next thing you know, it, it, it's everything's nothing's off limits. And we had a blast. And it, it, it's to, to the point that I want to go ahead and do that again. But Summer, I don't know if you heard last show where we had um, the, uh, the leadership team from HR Florida here yes. in Orlando, August 30th. So did you hear what their theme is?
2: No, I actually didn't hear the theme, but I'm really wildly excited to.
1: The same thing. The greatest. Uh, the, uh, the, it's a circus theme. Almost the same thing that you had. But Wow, on a much well bigger it's ours scale. is a
2: circus. So that's <laughs> that's awesome. I'm really happy to hear about
1: that. Oh yeah, it's gonna be exciting. But but you are hundred percent right, Sammy. So, I mean, you've gotta bring a completely different flair because the way things have been going before, it's not going to move the needle the way people wanted to, or better yet, the way people needed to move from A to B. So we gotta think about this differently. I mean, especially right now with what's happening in the world today, post-COVID, a lot of people are being called back from furlough. More people are not coming back from furlough because they had to do what they had to do. But the organization still needs to continue on. And what's what's ended up happening is is that you're going to have a lot more work with a lot less resources so this is the question on the leaders of the organizations. What are they going to do about that lack of resources to handle all this work? Have you have you had that, that, that issue in these past couple of weeks or no, Summer?
2: Yeah. So my client groups, which are typically, you know, heads of HR for middle market organizations, they're obviously in over their heads. They can forget about, I mean they can't even handle the day-to-day, let alone the strategic elements of the business. So I think more and more middle market organizations, at least, are looking at enlisting good consultants to kind of fill in the gaps and to be like an extension of their leadership team. I also see that in the large market as well, because even in the larger organizations, they are fixated on all the blocking and tackling. And even when they have the resources to do the more strategic work, it seems to get lost because there's not an external kind of lens on fresh, new, innovative ideas. So it all boils back down to disruption at the end of the day because we get stuck in our own ways and our yeah. own, you know, you come to work every day and you kind of see it the way you see it. You don't look creatively or drive a different way to work, if you will. I don't know. That so I just think that crucial. people are looking to just look for with a more innovative eye and an, yeah. a, an eye for efficiency as well.
1: That right there should be the title of the show, the eye for efficiency, because what happens is um, all these leaders that it's in their own right, which I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to move that needle from A to B and continue that forward movement. Um, They got to take a step back and really take a look at uh, the lay of the land and see what's actually happening and what what efficiencies can be improved, but. To just uh, focus on finances and whether we're in the black or we're in red, that, that in itself is just not going to cover it. Because if you attack an issue from a financial perspective or a payroll perspective in a negative way, it's really not going to help you get to where you need to as an organization. So it, it's, yeah. at the end of the day, it takes money to make money. So you got to spend it to make it. it it's that, Absolutely. Yeah, that would be like the the equivalent of me having a car and the transmission right. goes away. And that is my sole uh, uh, um, mode of transportation for me to get to work. But if I don't get to work, I don't make money. So I got to find a couple of grand to fix that, that transmission. But to say I don't got it and not have the car, the work is not going to continue. <laughs> Same thing goes you know- to the employee section.
2: I was literally just talking to a head of HR for a large organization, 6,000 employees. And he was showing me their priorities for the year and saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, like I want some fresh perspective on this. And and when I looked at it, it was basically a list of their org chart. Who are the resources we have and what work will they be doing? You know, the most riveting thing I took away from that was if I were running an organization or if I were the head of HR, I would stop and kind of look, at what is the work that needs to be done, and then who do mm-hmm. I stack against it versus what are the resources I have and what should I have them be doing? Two very different approaches to getting the work done. So I think it's a really good suggestion. That, and now, you know, that we need to be more efficient than ever to kind of blow things up and to do an org assessment, if you will. Just again, always starting with what is the critical work we need to accomplish, and then how might we do it, and do we have the players to do it? Because I think a lot of times it may look radically different than it does today, but organizations are scared of change. So they don't Mm. ask those tough questions. But I would say turn something up on its head. And if you were to rebuild it as if it were a brand new organization, what would that look like? Stop doing things the way that we've always done them.
1: How do you get a leader to see it that way?
2: You tell them that that looks crazy and it looks outdated. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, I think... (laughs) the i always literally ask the i just ask good questions frankly i mean i don't Mm -hmm. know all the answers i ask the questions that they need to ask and then you'll know what kind of readiness is there but when you ask like what are you what what two big things are you really trying to accomplish with your organization this year and what are the non-negotiables and Mm -hmm. everything else could be taken off the table right i feel like everyone um has a, has a to-do list. They don't have a stop doing list. So organizational leaders just keep doing things the way they've been doing them, but they could probably take half of the priorities off of their list because they're frankly not meaningful. So I I've heard inclusion and diversity be a huge, um, hot button right now because of all the mayhem going on in the world. I agree that it's a priority, but don't just throw it on a you know, a a project task list, because that is not meaningful. You may be spinning your wheels and using resources wastefully. What are you actually trying to do with that? Like, are you trying to have people think differently? Are you trying to have them behave differently? What is it? So when you ask the question, like, what do you really want to be different at the end of this work? They sometimes don't even know. So if you don't know where you're going, then why are you going anywhere? Mm
0: -hmm. Know
2: the destination and then stack people up against that.
1: And be flexible in the process to change it, change direction, left or right, depending on what's happening in the market at, at that time. I mean, this is a great example is, of what's happening right now.
2: Yeah, it really is. And and people get stuck in the hamster wheel of intellectualizing everything and and um, debating everything ad nauseum. What, what, where does that lead anyone? Or, or providing trainings on diversity. I mean, what, what does that really yield? Nothing. So back to efficiency, back to A plus B equals C. I um, so, I tend to just get down to brass tacks.
1: Yeah, it, it, and and but and even then, sometimes you do you do connect with some leaders who they 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 hear what you say, they agree with what you say, but they still continue the chorus, right? So then that's when you as as an HR leader, you got to take a step back and look. Whenever you in HR make a decision. Always make the, the decision as if you own the business, but just remember you don't. So you don't own mm-hmm. the business. So don't feel some kind of way if they don't take your advice. I mean, I learned that about fifteen years ago, and it, yeah. it's it's true now. But it's even, but it's more dire now because the consequences are bigger. Because right now unemployment is pretty high. Nothing to do with what's happening, like business wise. It's just it's it's just COVID, right? And they're slowly dropping. And it's I know some organizations really have that mentality that, well, if unemployment is high, people are looking for work. So they shouldn't be looking for specific things. They just want a paycheck. So they should be happy mm-hmm. that there's work out there. And that can be further from the truth. People got options. They really do. And and yeah. we got to start taking a look at talent differently, how we treat talent, and what environment we create to make sure that talent flourishes in the organization. So they fully understand how to move that needle from A to B, and why it has to be moved that way. So, mm-hmm. from your perspective, somebody, because you say you was an HR generalist, so and you said, "Forget this, I'm done." Now <laughs> it's now you're 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 the VP of benefits, health, and welfare, correct?
2: Yeah. So I'm an employee benefits (laughs) vice president, which means I basically help small, mostly small and middle market organizations with their Mm -hmm. benefits programs. But the reason why I tackled this, this in my next chapter is because it's such a broken piece of the business. Number one, from an HR standpoint, it's viewed as very tactical and it's viewed as more on the negative side. Right. I mean, Most of the time, HR people look at it as like, there's a lot of complaints coming in for healthcare. You know, it's just something that's never gonna truly be appreciated as as an investment. All of those age old kind of negativities that have gone along with healthcare. And I viewed that as a huge opportunity because healthcare at large is very broken. We know that. And from an HR standpoint, it's viewed as a tactical lever. Well, I feel like with my leadership um, development experience, my organizational effectiveness, effectiveness experience and just my strategic lens, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have a very average benefits offering, but have such a better relationship with your employees and communicating it as a lever for engagement, which really does change the game. I mean, I can't even tell you that all of my clients, when I do an open enrollment and I show up with a positive attitude, making the connection to people, your employer cares about you. That's why they did a benchmarking analysis. Mm. That's why your benefits packages are better than 70%. And that's why this, that, and the other. And we care about you being healthy. Here's how you do it. Here's how you maximize your resources. It brings light to a very dark side of HR. Mm. So I, I feel passionate about doing that. But I also feel passionate about helping HR people who are in the throes of the everyday that I know so well. I mean, I was in the throes of the everyday HR stuff. Helping them recharge their own battery and to to stay strategic, to cut out the crap that doesn't need to be done and to not stress about the things you can't change. I just, Mm -hmm. um, you said something earlier that really touched my heart. It's like, you can't, you can't get upset when a business or a leader doesn't take your recommendation. And I see a lot of my clients that get frustrated, right? They're telling me, Summer, can you, can I bounce this off of you? What should I do? I want to change it in my organization, but my leader doesn't want me to. I always remind them you can't want anything more than they do. All you can Mm. do is ask good questions and help them solve their own problems. You don't get to say what the priorities are and you don't get to say how they should solve them. You just have to ask the right questions. So in a nutshell, um, I think that I'm breathing some fresh life into an industry that has been kind of running on autopilot in a lot of ways. And I don't frankly think that's acceptable. I mean, I think... HR benefits brokers should be so much more than what maybe they have been, and that will change the industry and the, you know, the paradigm at large.
1: So in the past 15, 20 years, there has been a huge shift in health and welfare benefits, which it's obviously when talent is out there looking for work and looking to uh, um, to just it, it sell their talents to the, to the, biggest the big spitter. The biggest thing to look at <clears throat> is, is the paycheck, the money that they put in their pocket. What they don't take into account is the total compensation package. You got benefits. You got a, a medical, dental, vision, and other fringe benefits. Where? How big of a shift have you seen the benefits package, total compensation package for um, uh, talent from the past 15, 20 years to now? And where do you see it going forward in the next 10 years?
2: Okay. That's a great question. And obviously you missed my amazing webinar that I did on Wednesday, which, you know, it really helps break it down. So there's three types of employers out there. There's employers who do the tried and true. I call them the vanilla employers. And this doesn't mean something negative. It means they do the basics and maybe their employees appreciate it. Maybe they don't. But the point is they're offering basic benefits packages, you know, health, PTO, ancillary benefits, all of that. Then you have employers who are very bottom line driven and they look at this as a way to save the company money. So i.e. Um, self-funded health plans or um, different things like geofencing where people are alerted when they're going to the emergency room. Hey, do you really want to go to the emergency room or do you want to go to that cheaper clinic that's two oh, miles yeah. away? No, there's a lot of very um, creative approaches to saving money, but you can't trade off the employee engagement, right? You mm. can't have your employees thinking my employer's pinching pennies because we're saving in healthcare space. You have to do it behind the curtain and then at the same time message it as if it's like, you know, a powerful offering because we care about you, our employees. Right? So there's a number of, I have a list because I I really did a lot of best practice research, frankly, because I wanted to understand what is the scope of things being offered. So that's the second bucket, the, the uh, bottom line driven employer's, and the third bucket, which is my favorite, are those employers who are really geared at being an employer of choice. They could be mm. Bob's Ice Cream Shop, or they could be like a huge organization. Any organization could be best in class, right? But And it doesn't cost you more money. But these are things like offering... Um, I don't know, pet insurance, which is frankly free. You can offer to your employees at a discount. Um, things like date night dollars. We care about you staying connected to your loved ones. Hey, here's $25 every, I don't know, every week for a date that's, night. That's a thing. Um, there, well, yeah, there's low cost, wow. things like that. There's Okay, here's one of my favorites, night nanny allotments. There is unpaid sabbaticals. There are, um, and I'm trying to just jog my memory on the the things that are there, but Um, all kinds of things and not all cost money. So the point is, you just have to get creative. But I'll tell you, I always... That's the first conversation I have with my prospects. What kind of employer are you? Because I'll tell you when... If I bring out a piece of paper that shows date night uh, dollars and a CFO is a bottom line driven leader, (laughs) he's going to laugh me out of the room. It's (laughs) happened to me once, so I won't do that again. Yeah. The fact is you speak the language of the organization you support. You don't want it more than they do. I want all my employers to be that employer of choice where they shine and like everybody wants to work for them. But guess what? If they don't want to be that, I'm going to help them be the best type of employer they can be, whether that be vanilla, whether that be cost controlling or the, the glitzy type that I enjoy the employer of choice.
0: I got a few questions for you. I want to fire in from a, a semi-related angle here as well. Coming directly into current events time, okay? Unemployment. Part of the benefits package. Part of the uh, benefits uh, mindset, rather. Let's think about it that way. Staying engaged with your workforce during the unemployment times. Where do you draw that line? Where do you draw that line between, hey, uh, here's your pink slip. Goodbye. And, hey, Ted, it's been a week. We don't have anything for you yet, but we're looking forward to bringing you back. How's everything going out there?
2: Okay, I love this conversation. Um, when I was at United Healthcare, they're obviously a huge employer with three hundred thousand employees. Something I was trying to create there was something called an alumni network because you realize people will come and go for all different reasons, whether that's on their own terms or because we let them go for layoffs, whatever it may be. But. Either way, that employment brand is going to live on well beyond that person walking out the door. They're going to tell their friends and family how the company treated them. They're going to tell them what kind of business they run,
0: blah, Or how blah, the blah. company looked out for them during a certain period of time or totally. communicated so, so with them. Right.
2: What would it really cost or what, you know, what is the harm in staying connected in a positive light with people to, to make them feel like you cared about them as an employee, you wish them well, you're there as a professional contact right? But, but there, a, there employees, employers want to wash their hands of them a lot of times. They're like, well, that person's gone. You there's know, harm though, right? Goodbye, there's, get rid of them.
0: there's harm to the mindset of certain leaders. Certain leaders may view that as a weakness. Why am I going to step down out of, out of my lofty high hill here and go talk to Ted down there? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm on a private jet today. I don't have time to talk to Ted. You know, there's a I'm weakness. Sorry,
2: there. Ted, I do feel free. <laughs> 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 so it boils back down to, if you get in an HR and you stay too long, sometimes you lose your heart, right? I honestly truly feel people lose their passion for people and relationships, but all of that stuff actually translates to a better business. It does. It's not it's not nice to have, it's not fluffy. I've been told that by clients before like we don't need cheerleading and all this positivity stuff. That's BS, frankly, because it does translate to people caring more about an organization and working harder when they're there and talking positively when they're not there.
0: So, so while so, employees are laid off, while employees are home, they're they're on unemployment. We're we're in these unprecedented times where unemployment is set to expire in $600 a week. If, and if you're in Florida, that's going to be an extra $5,000, I think, in your pocket per week <laughs> or something. It all goes out the window here of coming up within a very short 30 days or so, or within 30 yeah, days. So there's a, lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stress. Employees are, are potentially eager to come back to work in a heartbeat, but they may need cash now. Right. So from a benefits yeah, perspective, uh, where where are we in the sense of staying in communication with that employee in the emergent time and then also getting them paid maybe in advance or at, at the point in time that they walk in that door so that they have a, a paycheck that first day and then maybe try to recalibrate the way that we do business over the next few weeks to try to mitigate a financial issue?
2: Lots of employers are taking that stance, by the way. I I mean, just it's a more, it's business focused, but it's also more compassionate. If people need cash and they don't have it and they're coming back to work, they're going to be strained and stressed without that cash in their hands. So you're not going to be a lender of sorts and you're not becoming a bank, but to help employees through tough times Mm -hmm. and just let them pay you back. I've seen that much more nowadays. I mean, obviously we can't pay people when they're, you know, beyond their reduction in force or if you will but there just has to be ways to be compassionate about when it makes sense
0: to help them out what about childcare i mean pandemic childcare right now people are working from home working from home as a as a yep. new benefit in a way that maybe they didn't have before uh, maybe we are in an environment where we could offer them the opportunity to stay at home to continue to work but relax some of the safeguards when it comes to childcare or now we have to report back to the office we're in a different position and and Ted has childcare concerns from a bev- benefits perspective. Uh, what what do you do with childcare during these unprecedented so, times?
2: I would I would probably send all my employees muzzles to put on their children while they're working from home, <laughs> oh, but would probably God. be unethical, and I'd be turned in. So, without <laughs> such a tactical approach, I would say. No, we ha- we have to laugh at this. These are unprecedented times. And I would say grace is so important. It's going back to your cultural values of the company. I've been in circumstances where I've been frustrated with colleagues because I want to get something done and somebody's dropping balls. And it's very frustrating. And I've had to stop myself and say, this person has two kids at home under the age of three mm-hmm. and they're probably doing their very best to do good work. And I just have to stop and pause for a minute. Is there another way I could get the work done and have grace at the same time? But I mean, there's no question. It takes a toll on productivity and it takes a toll on results. It's just how much are we willing to live with in a time like this? We, we have no choice, frankly. A lot of people have kids. We don't just like, get to choose what how many kids our employees have. So ultimately, it's the cultural values. If you care about your people, then you need to have a conversation about how do we help set you up for success despite the fact that you're in over your head at home.
1: And you as a leader you have to know who your employees are, what kind of challenges that they're facing. That way, whatever money you have allocated for benefits and the whole compensation total comp package, you're allocating those resources to the right things. Because if you That's find right. out that 5% of your of, of your employees have kids, the other 95% do not, I don't know if it's a good idea to launch an initiative for kid care or something like that, right? So it really depends on on your associates, your employees. And the only way you can get that is with a stay interview and you'd survey and yes. you find out exactly yes. what they need, right? Do you know
2: what else, Ricky? I love that you brought up the stay interview. I also think there could be some creative programs to launch at a time like this, where mm-hmm. it's almost like redefinition of job scope, right? So imagine if everyone had the liberty to, to be honest and frank and say, here's how much I can actually work. Okay, I was full-time before. Now, if I were able to be sane, I can only work 60% of the week. And someone else is like, I don't have kids. I'm bored out of my skull. I'm working from home. I'm single. I want to work like 200% of my old job. And we renegotiate each person's scope and role and pay them accordingly. And we can go back to normal when normal happens, which we don't know when that is. But my point is being flexible and nimble enough to say... We're not gonna judge you if you can't work as much. And maybe you can't afford to work for 60% of the time. But let's figure out ways to make this all work for everyone. Because honestly, no good comes of the, the person who is strapped at home with their kids and knows that they're failing at all things in life. And yes, they're getting their paycheck, but you know what? They're rapidly fraying mentally and they're probably about to break. Question so,
0: question for both of you on yep. that. When when you're thinking about the employee and the comparison of employees one that has kids that might have these extra burdens but they they're great autonomously they can compartmentalize they do their job they may even give you 60 70 80 hours a week on the other side of the fence you've got someone with no kids willing to do a hundred hours a week at what point does uh the thought of full-time and taking advantage of the employee go out the window you know mm. and, and and we're we're creating a culture that we're just sincerely literally just looking to take advantage of people and and we start to accidentally fall into a bucket of discrimination
2: yeah i don't know ricky what do you think
0: well
1: it it, (laughs) you've got to be careful with disparate impact and disparate treatment obviously disparate treatment is on purpose disparate impact that's when your your actions or your lack of actions create that environment that's illegal for somebody. But it it, it, yeah. it all comes down to having that finger on the pulse and to know what your leaders are doing, what your leaders are not doing. Um, a, a senior leader, a business owner, an executive would really benefit from getting that interview, that stay interview, that survey from the associates, but even more from the frontline managers who lead those associates. So you know who is doing the right things, who is not doing the right things, and then you go ahead and take whatever appropriate action you need to do to right that wrong. Here's here's where I have heartburn with the interviews and surveys, Summer, and I know you love them. I love them, too. But whenever I meet with a client and I have a conversation with them about what they need to do to really get a good grasp of what their associates do want and what they're lacking – Once we get there, we strategize and we have that conversation. And I tell them, if you're going to grab this information and do nothing with it, you're doing more damage than not put in the survey at all.
2: A hundred percent. Yes. Don't ask if you're not willing to change.
1: What does that do to the psyche of the employee?
2: But that being said, it's all about the expectations going in. You don't go in saying, I want to know what's wrong so I could fix everything. You say, I want to know what's wrong so we can continue having a conversation around what we can and can't change. It's called level setting and being real. And a lot of times that is missed. They just launch a survey and then it goes into thin air. You have to say, This is what I heard. This is what I heard you say. This is what we can do and why. And this is what we can't do and why. And let's keep making progress. That that means something to people.
1: It does, as long as long as the changes that need to be made are made, and the reasons on why you're not making them, it can't be. Well, we just don't have the money. <sighs> Come on, let let's expand that conversation. Let's find out how valuable that is. Because look at companies right now, like like a Disney. So you saw what happened with Disney. They closed for four months. And whenever they wanted to give a raise to somebody or, or, or I know people who have asked for a raise and they were told, no, we just don't have it in the budget. Next thing you know, they're down for four months. How do they find these millions and millions of dollars for to continue some kind of minimal operation with no income for one whole quarter, an entire quarter? So there is money. There is money. It's just a matter of going back to the budget and reallocating because the reason that budget exists right now, it's not the same reason that's going to continue that budget going forward. So you have to take a step back and reassess. And that's yeah, what leaders I mean, need to do, just taking that step back and recalibrating and regroup to just make a left or a right as needed.
2: You know, Ricky, that's a great point. A lot of times companies do say we don't have the money. That is literally not speaking the language of an employee though. Right. Yeah. Because we do have money. It's like when you take your kid to target and you tell them, I'm not going to buy you another toy because I don't want to spend the money. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because it's many other factors, obviously, but you need to speak in the language that the person can understand. And obviously organizations have money at their disposal, but they don't understand how to, to boil things down to the employee lens.
1: So going back to JC's question, uh, it, it's from from your perspective, from your conversations with your clients in the past two or three months, how big of an I don't want to say an issue, how big of an impact is is childcare in an organization's compensation package now than what it was compared to a year ago? Well, when you
2: say childcare in packages, I mean there's not a lot of employers giving childcare allotments to their employees. That's not a common offering there's dependent care, right. Dependent care reimbursement is one thing, but Mm -hmm. frankly, there's not a lot of dependent care to be had. Even if, you know, there's not a lot of people or camps or schools, all of those things that are helpful right now. So I think that is the root cause of why people have kids at home. Um, And we can't solve for that. We can't solve for that. But employers, I haven't seen any employers coming up with any solutions. Or, I mean, what what is the real solution? It's getting the kids out of the house, really, right? Because if people can't be in an office, they need to not have kids at home. And if they do have mm-hmm. kids at home, they need child care. We can't, you know, offer up babysitters, obviously, right?
1: Well, so, wait a minute. So this is where trailblazing comes in, right? This is when one company has to step up. And that company has to say you know what? Don't work at home. Come into the office. We have amazing, meticulous uh, COVID-19 prevention measures, social distancing measures. Here you go. Not only that, we have three conference rooms dedicated that we have converted into a daycare. We've hired I three. <laughs> See what I'm saying? We, we've hired three professionals to watch your kids while you work, and they also are following social distancing guidelines. Nobody does that now because nobody planned for that in January. <laughs> But now they have to I mean, plan it's a great point, Ricky.
2: Though. It's a great yeah. point. I mean, back in the war for talent in 2000, if you remember back in the 2000s early, every employer was fighting over talent because the unemployment rate was so low, and yeah. they were doing things like that. There was on-site childcare in many large organizations, for sure. You don't see it a lot now. It's like it's become obsolete. But you are onto something. That that may be the next wave of innovation. I have two small kids, so I am cringing as I'm listening to bringing my kids to the office. I don't yeah. want them anywhere near my office.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm going to go the
2: muggle route.
0: No, I'm with but you on no, that one. And, and is that part of the flexibility? Idea. Is the flexibility of, of the employee changing the culture and environment within our organization something that plays a huge part into the evolution of who we are for the future? So that, okay, really? instead of being in the office consistently five days a week for your level of position... Or for whatever it is within your duties and assignments, let's go ahead and and have you come to the office maybe two days a week. Those other three days, we're going to relax a few of the standards. We understand you have your kids at home. Maybe uh, your eight-hour day turns into ten hours with the understanding you're still only giving me eight, but you got to take a little bit of time to take care of business in your own household. That, that emotional mitigation and the factor of things. It doesn't seem yeah. to be talked about a lot, though, as as a workplace benefit because it, it goes unnoticed as just part of a culture, right?
2: Totally. I totally agree. Um, it's going to be interesting times, and I love that thought leaders like you guys are so passionate about, you know, bringing the right brains together to ideate around this stuff because that's what it's going to take. It's not going to take the same old things, um, desperate times call for desperate measures and the same brains that created problems don't solve them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we have got to wipe the slate clean and be more creative.
0: So, so desperate times and measures. I, w- I want to drill in on that real quick. Cause Ricky, you brought something up probably about two or three times related to things that I was saying. I, maybe I was the first guy to throw it out there. Constructive discharge. What is this? Break that down for the people that are still in college that listen to our show or those that are overseas who may not be familiar. <laughs> Which, by the way, huge shout out to our team over in India. Excellent ratings lately. Love you guys. Seriously. All right, Rick, what is this? They know about so it over in, there. in relation to what we're talking
1: about uh, right now, constructive discharge at the end of the day is when an organization or a leader creates an environment or a working environment that is so toxic, that is so intolerable that the employee has no other choice but to quit in order to, to not to go crazy.
0: Okay, so okay,
1: okay. Wait, why is that called constructive. They left.
2: why is that called constructive? That should be called torture. <laughs> <laughs> I have to drop um, for other family commitments, but I just wanted to thank you guys so much. I love all of the value and all the good things you bring to the HR community. I feel so blessed to know you both and I'm looking forward to kind of trailblazing with you.
1: Well, same here. Do your thing. Go ahead. JC and I are going to stay on. Go ahead and drop.
0: Uh, we'll definitely talk because we got to talk this week about the next generation. Thank you, gentlemen. Have
2: a wonderful weekend. And Bye-bye. summer
0: in closing, the best way people could reach you, please?
2: Through LinkedIn is a great approach. My email is summer.sharad at IOAUSA.com. It's summer with an O or, frankly, cell phone 407 259 1135. Love it. Thank you both. Stay well. Have a good one summer. Um, we'll
0: talk soon. Take care. All right. all right, Rick. That was pretty good. You know, a good hour was summer. It was fairly quick. It was cost effective. It was time. Effect. I understand. People got family things going on. It's all good. Hey, That's look, right. a couple things that we didn't have a chance to get into while she was here, but I'm going to do it with you anyways, brother, because our, our time is a little bit limited today all the way around. So here huge rulings from the Supreme Court this past week.
3: This involves the Little Sisters of the Poor. They have been to the Supreme Court more than once trying to push back against a mandate that would require them to facilitate cost-free access to contraception for their employees. They have long said and argued, we are an order of nuns. What they do is care for elderly poor who are dying and said, listen, there's nothing about this mandate that lines up with the tenets of our faith, which are the Catholic Church. So they have fought on this back and forth. The Trumpet administration a couple of years ago tried to remedy this by putting together a new regulation that would carve out an exception for them and like religious organizations. And today, in a seven to two ruling, the Supreme Court ruled that the Trump administration got those regulations right. It is a win for the Little Sisters. Writing for the majority, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas wrote this. He says, for the past seven years, they've had to fight for the ability to continue in their noble work without violating their sincerely held religious beliefs. The federal government has arrived at a solution that exempts the Little Sisters from the source of their complicity-based concerns, the administratively imposed contraceptive mandate. Now, the dissent was written by Justice Ginsburg, joined by Justice Sotomayor. Uh, They said that the court got it all wrong. This is their worry. Quote, Destructive of the Women's Health Amendment, this court leaves women workers to fend for themselves, to seek contraceptive coverage from sources other than their employers insurer, and absent another available source of funding to pay for contraceptive services out of their own pockets. So uh, a number of organizations coming forward in objection today, ACLU, the Planned Parenthood, Parenthood and others saying religious freedom is a legitimate underpinning of American freedom. It's part of our Constitution. But they say this has crossed the line into discrimination.
0: Huge rulings there. The first one, uh, the Supreme Court piece here on uh, basically condoms as a benefit, I think. It's too bad summer's not on still. We we could kind of talk about that a little bit more, right? Rick, why are you laughing so hard? You there? I mean, it, it's, I just like how
1: you say it. Condoms as a benefit. Well, that's what <laughs> it is,
0: right? Contraceptive through the employer. Like, hey, I'm look, I'm going to the machine, and I'm going to get one of those week-old tuna sammies and some condoms. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> but it would be free. It would be free. So you hit the machine, you put in your dollar twenty five for the week-old tuna sammy, and then you buy that. But the condoms, you just hit the button and they're free. They just come out. There you go. They did just, just right as there. many as you want. Grab the brown bag. Just grab <laughs> next the brown thing you bag. Know, it's like HR Vegas.
1: It makes you know, HR is walking into uh, into uh, old offices and broom closets and finding a lot of extracurricular activities because yeah. of what we're selling well, next it, to the
0: uh, sandwiches. <laughs> it could have been, you know, it could have been free like that. I guess you get the charge now. Right. Yeah, look, look, man. It, it, it's, it's Oh God, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, no, no, no. So, like before, if you went to the HR director's office, you had free condoms on the desk in a bowl. Now, no, you did not. No, you did not. Shut the door. One bowl of Let's condoms, right. another bowl of keys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's talk about your performance evaluation. Oh, oh my! No. God. Pip. Is that a pip? <laughs> You just have to see me. <laughs> no, so look. <like, laughs> oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. We're summer. So before, We're summer. <laughs> oh, she quit. She walked away. So look. So before, there used to be a free bowl of these on the table, but mm-hmm. now you have to charge when an employee picks picks one up. Now you get to charge them for them. That's all. That's the differential.
1: It, it, so that's weird. Because what you need that for? Why is it weird that you can't charge? Why is right? it weird? That's illegal.
0: <laughs> Listen, when you go on a date. Do you pay for your date, or does the date pay for themselves? These days, they do Dutch, but yeah, I pay for they the date whenever I date They do yeah. Dutch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They take care of themselves. Uh-huh. That's, That's right. all they're doing. These they're days. taking care of themselves. <laughs> Keep the employer out of my pants. I'm fine with you. It. <laughs> <laughs> There's the name oh, of the episode. Ricky, you just Keep snorted. The employer out of my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you just titled the episode twice in, in like an hour's no. time. I mean, Summer wasn't even on a full hour and you titled the episode, but now we're doing it again (laughs) at 5416 into the show. God bless you. Love it, little heart. All right, so tell me right now what your thoughts are on the Supreme Court's ruling about no more free condoms. Here's the thing. It's...
1: I don't quite understand how a religious organization that already has some kind of protections, which I personally don't think they should. If they're going to be an employer, they have to follow the rules and regulations as other employers out there. But now I I, I haven't researched it enough, and I do apologize for that because I really want to find out what really is driving this. What? How many more protections oh, should we give specific organizations over another? You. I can tell you uh-huh. exactly
0: what's driving it. Okay. I think there was a lawsuit going back maybe about a year where an employer was giving out free condoms, and it had the name of the company on there and the business card info, and it was misconstrued <laughs> as sexual harassment.
1: It's, remember what, I, JC, I've told you a million times. I completely it's made only, that up, but it sounds good. Well, <laughs> it does sound good, but... I, I was going to say, it's only harassment
0: if it's unwelcomed. That's right. If somebody gets it, they're okay with it. So wait a second, though, if it's unwelcome. So if if you have pre-contraception from the employer and you use it as a business card with your info on it and you hand it to someone and they're like, (laughs) no, I don't want it. And you take it back. It's not harassment because they didn't <laughs> want it, and you didn't get, you never gave it to them. I mean, right? mean, no, hold on.
1: It could be because to this day I don't want it. That right there, it's it, it's it's not welcomed, right? So now oh, you I should got have it. thought about I got you it. making
0: that offer with a business card. I understand your words in English now. Hey, there was another one. Uh, this week yes. as well. A
3: couple of Catholic school employees had sued. There is what's called a ministerial exemption against employment lawsuits, meaning that religious organizations like Catholic schools should have a lot of leeway when it comes to employment decisions regarding people who fit within that exemption if part of their duty is religious duty or religious instruction. The court today found those Catholic teachers fell. Within that exception, they cannot sue those Catholic schools.
1: So that's interesting, right? Because a week ago or two weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled that sexual, uh, that that um uh, sexual orientation and gender identity it's now has a bonafide protection. So now what they're saying is to counterbalance is if it, and I'm just using this as an example, um, somebody who works for a Catholic organization and this employee says, "Hey, by the way, I'm gay." They can be fired for it. So I, I it almost seems like because they gave protection to one side of it, they have to equalize the balance on the other side as well. I would love to see both of these issues really bumping heads, uh, uh, just, just just bumping hands in court to see where that would come out. But to me, it's, it's a balancing act. That's what it sounded
0: like. Good. There is so it, much going on. It's the summer of 2020. This is crazy. It, it, it is an odd summer, isn't it? 2020 is really this. I can't dude. That I'm sounded sorry. Like I a can't pun. wait for summer to be over. That sounded like huh? a pun with the guests we yeah. had today. Define. Did you oh. mean the human or the season? No, I mean the season. man. Right, I can't enough.
1: wait for the season to be over, man. It's this. It's just
0: skip to fall. Skip to Christmas. Let's just get <laughs> that over with. Man. Yeah. As, as long as football season's not jacked up or nothing. You know that uh, that's dude, not going to come really off the way of expect. That. That's I'm all. really afraid of that. Well, you what should do you be. Think they're going to do. They're going to play football. Yeah, but
1: in empty stadiums, right? Yeah,
0: pretty much. That's crappy. I
1: was going to fly up there for the Bills game for the yeah. uh, for the for the Veterans game.
0: Yeah, start walking. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> hey, check this out. <laughs> it is time for current events. Current events that. this week is brought to you in part by. Summer Sherrod, you already got her contact details. Give her a call. She'll be more than happy to help you out. So uh, this first article actually goes back a little bit of time, but because uh, the topic came up so much in talking with her, I, I, I kind of had to grab this, Rick. This is uh, from HR Drive, all right? Or hmm. HR Dive. I always have a hard time Dive. with that one. HR Dive. Yeah, the R's. Yeah. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when, when planning layoffs or reorganizations... Employers should proceed with caution, especially when doing so affects those making the most money within an organization, those who tend to be more senior and more highly paid. As per the advisement in this article I'm about to get into, that's from Weinberg, Wheeler, Hudgens, Gunn, and dial Partners, Matt Gomez. Right there. This is the courts. Uh, the court has revived a 52-year-old Home Depot manager's constructive discharge claim. Mm. Now, briefly speaking about this, a Home Depot store manager with a long history of amazing and excellent performance reviews has been subject to employment conditions so intolerable that she was forced to resign. She was compelled to resign. Hmm. They never forced her, but she felt forced as for all the harassment, according to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, in their conclusion, reviving the age bias lawsuit as well because she just so happened to be older. After working for Home Depot for 20 years, excellent reviews, raises, and bonuses, the preceding three years, Janet Wheeler received from her district manager her first disciplinary notice, along with the manager's apologies and explanation that he was being pressured into ensuring store managers were being held accountable, end quote, despite positive store inspections. Now, Wheeler continued to receive discipline notices, for no reason, she also presented evidence that Home Depot wanted to fire her, as well as other high-salary employees, and she felt targeted. Mm. At the end of the day, it, it, I find that funny. We're talking about Home Depot, but they use the word "target." I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> okay. Furthermore, <laughs> this is the um, new low. <laughs> ah, ah, a, a, a district <laughs> operations officer sent an email to all store managers saying that Wheeler would get her final write-up that week. He shortly thereafter attempted to redact the email twice. But several days later, an HR officer met with Wheeler and asked, quote, off the record, whether she knew anybody who could hire her as soon as possible, end quotes, according to the courts. Wheeler resigned at the age of 52 and later sued, alleging constructive discharge, Under the uh, Fair Employment and Housing Act, Home Depot did not respond to requests for comment by the press at this time. Page 3 of the court papers, I have the actual uh, Janet Wheeler versus Home Depot USA Incorporated PDF in front of me. It states, here, the proffered evidence taken in light of the most favorable to Wheeler raises substantial questions as to whether Home Depot created intolerable conditions that forced Wheeler to resign. Mm -hmm. After working for Home Depot for 20 years and receiving excellent reviews, raises, and bonuses the preceding three years, Wheeler, in April of 2014, mind you, this is 2014, and this is still in the courts and, and, and finally coming to a conclusion, in 2014 received her first progressive disciplinary notice from her district manager. Wheeler testified that he told her he was being pressured to ensure store managers were being held accountable. In addition, Wheeler brought evidence forward that management sought to get rid of her as well as other managers due to their salaries. There are multiple pages in this report, Rick. This is uh, a very big suit. This was filed December 27th of 2019 in the U.S. Court of Appeals um there's a lot going on constructive discharge so
1: yeah so that 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 was from december
0: but it's it's relevant today jc it really is relevant because well, absolutely if organizations it is. in the yeah. article they're talking about organizations reorganizing organizations mm-hmm. downsizing just because we're on the backside of a pandemic in some states or an uptick of a pandemic in other states or a fake pandemic, according to those in tinfoil hats, or a real pandemic that you can't get if you riot or protest, then, look, there's a whole lot going on, and the world is different mm-hmm. now. It doesn't have a, any impact or bearing, though, does it, on an employer's responsibilities and duties? It Well, depends on does how you look it? at it. I'm asking. Because, it, well, it does
1: have an impact, and that's why the employer has to react to it. The employer has to respond to what's happening out there. And some employers are. The problem is, it's the wrong response. So let's fast forward to today. Let's say that issue was happening today. And by the way, I fully anticipate to see more stories like this in the next few months because a lot of people are not coming back to work. And a lot of, of of organizations have more work than employees, which is a good re, a good problem to have. But they're having a hard time finding those employees to really come back. So what does that do? That puts a lot more strain on the remaining employees. And it, it's the answer cannot be we're not going to we can't hire, so we're not going to change our practices. Let's just put a lot more pressure on the people that are still here. They're going to get burnt out. And when they get burnt out, some people are going to, you know, jump ship early. But then if the organization creates a culture of mistrust, a culture of harassment, a culture of torture, then you are going to get people who will jump the gun, who will jump ship. But then they are they qualify for that constructive discharge process as far as the law is concerned. Yeah, but a A
0: resignation okay. that's coerced. That's not a bad thing, is it?
1: Um. It uh, <laughs> <presiding>. <laughs> right?
0: I'm going to coerce uh, the other people around me to convince Ted to quit. And then now you've got a conspiracy, right? I turn to, to, to the guy to my left, and Ted is yeah. going to help me get rid of the face. Yeah, and then we're going to yeah. go after him with all we can to force him out of the program. And then we get a new face of the franchise, new guy on the cover art. It'll be summer or something. I don't know. Talk to me. I mean, coercion's a good thing, right? No, it's not coercion. A good thing. It's collusion, like, all this have, stuff. It's good thing. you have
1: to use that word, remember. Yeah. If you have to use that word okay. in your regular daily activities,
0: you are approaching your job the wrong all right. way. Fair enough. Good point. So to that then. If coercion is not a good thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and you have to rely upon that to do what you're doing, but you don't say the word coercion, you're still okay. <laughs> no, you're not. Still <laughs> right. <okay. laughs> like it can't be misconstrued. It's like no, I never said it was. So it's not. Could you imagine? Hey, by the way,
1: I am conspiring against you to quit. I'm letting you know that what you fully understand what's happening. So you can come <laughs> back to me in court later.
0: <laughs> Could you imagine? Right. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work, right? No, no, it's no. not how it's supposed
1: to work. Not Business leaders pay attention. <laughs> pay attention. You're going to bleed talent. If you beat your employees down like a tyrant, your employees are going to leave. You're, I'm, my bad. Hold on. Your freaking rock stars are going to leave. You know who's going to stay around? Those mofos who do just enough not to get fired, who can't go anywhere else because nobody else wants them. Hey, take You're it the easy. only shit bad who keeps them there.
0: I resemble that <laughs> remark. Get out of here. You're you kill him. You resemble it, or you? Yeah, no, I it. do. You I completed- look like I look like someone that would be that guy that's left over. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I am a rock star. Don't get me wrong, but I look like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you look like yeah, right, fine, yeah. Man. I mean, people look at me. They're like, he just does enough. He's he's just look at him. <laughs> We can't go on.
1: So are you telling me you're the kind of guy that when your boss says, hey, have you done this report and you bring out your job description from your pocket and you say, tell me where here in this job description says I need to do that? It doesn't.
0: I've done enough. Thank you very much. Listen, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. (laughs) I know you're not. But I look like I'm that guy. (laughs) So what does a guy like that look like? You know, slightly overweight, probably white. We know how this goes. You know, <laughs>
1: Probably white. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, look at me. Look at me. You know, I don't even know if I really am. Uh, well, you are an honorary Puerto Rican. Continuing on down the line, <laughs> your next article here in our current events segment is coming to you from Stylecaster.com. Their list of the best multicolor pens on Amazon has been published, and it is official for summer of 2020. Rick, <laughs> when you said summer 2020 at the start of the show, I was like, oh, great. I've been waiting to do a summer 2020 show. I didn't realize the lady's name was Summer. So I uh, this article might not fit, but work with me here. Uh, for okay, boards, six-in-one multicolor ballpoint pens. The pen has a total of six colors. So you could switch from purple to red to, and, and back again. It's very beautiful. You quickly switch the colors, and you do it in less than a second. Now, the rest of the colors are black, blue, orange, and green. And these pens are retractable. They, they're they roller balls. They have gel ink. So you're going to be able to see your vibrating clearly on your paper. Now, with this set, you get a total of 22 pens in total. All right? And, and that's no joke. I mean, these are HR pens. And you could get these on uh, Amazon for 11.99 it's the FAVOURDE favored 6-in-1 multicolor ballpoint pen made for human resources it's 11.99 biggest top uh, highest level greatest thing of the summer 2020 for you What Rick. the hell are you talking about Current <laughs> events <laughs>
1: Current events. All, I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is those pens that I had when I was in the seventh grade that had the different colors and you hit the lever.
0: Don't talk. And the thing comes out. Google <laughs> it. Look up F-A-V-O-U-R-D-E. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on, I'm doing Six it right now. Six in one multicolor F-A-V. ballpoint. Foxtrot, O-U-R-D-E. Alpha, oh. Victor, Oscar, Uniform, Romeo, Delta, Echo, Space, Six. I don't know how to say that in, the, in another language. Um Sace. Sace. Thanks. Favorite. <laughs> I see the Oh, they yeah. look good. Those are nice looking pens, pack. dude. Right? No, man, this
1: is this reminds me of middle school.
0: No. I'm going to th- put a picture in the way. That's not web. middle school. It- that's HR. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why
1: I got I my mean, first like, HR if, if class. Had, so that's in
0: the eighth grade. If you had to think of like human resources in a pen, this is the pen. It has diversity. Is inclusive, is <laughs> cost effective. I love it. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, Ricky, what else about this pen describes the amazingness of HR? No, you know what?
1: You're onto something here. They should rename this to the diversity pen. Because th- this pen has everything. It has one casing, and that casing has one job to do. In this, to write is to put your thoughts on paper. But how you put your thoughts on paper, you get to choose what kind of quote unquote colorful flair you get to put out there. Or again,
0: or uh-huh. you could do just enough to get by and not even <laughs> use the pen. You could just own the pen, and that'd be enough. You know, say, I got There'd the be pen, enough. and There'd that's great. It.
1: That's all I need. you are
0: not sponsored by the pen people, by the way. There's just a whole lot of fun stuff with these news articles for summer 2020. (laughs) These are great. (laughs) Summer 2020. I got to love it. Your next story is coming to you from FoxBusiness.com. Now, this this one here, um, this is a serious one. There's a whole lot going on over the internet. If you could, please pull up the uh, HR Talk Twitter. Okay. Anyone who wants to follow along that hasn't already done so, just Google Wayfair Reddit cabinets. Okay. Boston
3: headquarters. After their CEO rejected the request to cancel sales to migrant detention facilities, company executives in a statement indicating their transaction is not part of a political agenda. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is one congresswoman supporting these employees. Yesterday, by tweeting, Wayfair workers can stomach that they were making beds to cage children. They asked the company to stop. The CEO said, no, tomorrow they're walking out. And this is what solidarity looks like. A reminder that everyday people have real power as long as we're brave enough to use it. Fox News' Molly line joins us live from Boston. And Molly, what's the latest there? Uh, Well, Susan, hundreds of people did pour out today, uh, both supporters and employees of Wayfair. They packed here into Boston's Copley Square, a a notable place where protests are often held, uh, essentially to protest the selling of these beds to a government contractor uh, that runs a migrant shelter in Texas. All
0: right, so the protests are taking place this week, right? And there's all this stuff going on. Wayfair, Wayfair, Wayfair is just what I need. It's not what I need. Detention centers, hatred, this, that, the other. This whole thing is going back and forth, and in amidst all this, it was users posting on Reddit that started to piece a conspiracy together that is really freaking weird, man. Huh. And and if you delve into it, it's going to start to consume your world. There's okay. all these cabinets that are posted for sale on Wayfair, um, Naraya storage cabinet. Uh, cabinet $14,000 a Ureza storage cabinet same cabinet one of a kind $13,000 all the names of the cabinets that you see in there relate to names of of people that have gone missing of kids that have gone missing and they delved into what? this further yeah they delved into this further in the in the theory and and so many people are reading up on this one it's still emerging as as we go right now now, the claim is that third-party retailers are going on Wayfair listing furniture like a regular steel cabinet that would cost you like maybe a maximum of like $800, right? But normally like 2 to 300 bucks Listing uh-huh. them for $15,000, $20,000, and the only differential between each different cabinet listed is a different name, and the name so happens to relate to someone that just recently went missing, mm-hmm. a missing child, and then the claim is being made that it's a front with other, um, with other hidden things within the messages for communication between people for human trafficking rings. Yeah, the shock on your face, I'm telling you right now. So believers in the conspiracy theory have also promoted that people use a Russian search engine to cross-search for the stock number, the SKU number, that corresponds with a Wayfair product. Allegedly, the return images shows kids. It's disgusting, Rick. Um, There's a whole thing going on with this. There's so many stories about this online. Uh, According to Wayfair... They said uh, they they have nothing to do with it. They're not aware of it. Um, but, of course, if you ask someone that might be aware of something that's doing something wrong, they're not going to say that they know. So who knows? Wow. You know? I So I'm so
1: having it, a hard time wrapping my hand around this. Is it possible
0: this? that Wayfair invo- <laughs> is involved in human trafficking with their WFX utility collection, or are these just extremely overpriced cabinets? End quote. That's one Redditor named Princess Peach 1987. She posted that. So just to read that one more time. Quote, is it possible Wayfair involved in human trafficking with their WFX utility collection or are these just extremely overpriced cabinets? End quote. And the entire thing's a coincidence. Who quoted that? Uh, this is from the news article uh, from Fox Business. It's no, you also said been Princess covered Princess Peach. On, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her username on Reddit. Her name is Princess Peach 1987 <laughs> who made the posting.
1: Look, all I'm saying is, if you're going to start quoting or talking about child trafficking, change your freaking username.
0: Yeah, right? You know, <laughs> change your that name. That didn't seem right. It does not seem so right anyway, at all, dude. Yeah, Google it. There's a whole thing going on with Wake wow, Fair dude. and cabinets. I'm not doing the story justice. There's too many stories to go on I've about it. I've been asleep. I wow. literally was up for probably like six hours reading all these, and I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And when you start to dig into it, it's like, this is too coincidental, you know? And then there's
1: Twitter really ran with this, huh?
0: Rick, it's still going. This isn't even over. It's still going as we speak right now, this is emerging. And then they're, they're also saying that this crosses platforms. It's not just Wayfair that there's hidden things within articles or, uh, I'm sorry, items listed on Amazon and different codes that people are communicating in like all the secret society stuff that they have within these circles. It's all public. And, and, I don't know. There's a lot of weird connections and people are like delving into it now trying to say, what the hell is this? It doesn't add up or make sense. So, so far, has there been any evidence to support any of that or no? I have no idea. I can't, wow, I can't, dude. I can't make a statement I'm just one saying, way or the It's other.
1: amazing how it, it's, that's, that's how dangerous social media is, man. Cause somebody can come up with such a weird thing like that
0: and it can spread like wildfire. But at the same time, if wow. there, if there's something plausible to it, no, why yes, would you yeah. look the other way? It, correct. Well, take a look now. S- sitting here, I'm thinking. And, I'm like, why? Why would they be stupid enough into it? Right?
1: Yeah. So, so the way I'm looking at it right now is, it's because t- this, this is the first I'm hearing about this. Is why would a company so big be so stupid as to do that? And I'm thinking. Well, wait a minute, if they really were doing it and they really wanted to be undercover with it, what better way to hide some, you know, such a horrible thing than in plain but, sight when nobody
0: would expect it? But at it. the same time, if they're not involved, if it's just their platform that's involved and these third-party retailers are using oh, their true. platform, yeah. then, yeah. Yeah. then I get it's you. still their house. At the end of the day, it's still their platform. How do you police that? How do you come up with a series of standards? It's kind of like the Instacart scam that goes back a few months where people were receiving random text messages saying that your Instacart orders are ready, and it just kept going on and on and on and on. People were signing up using other people's telephone numbers for Instacart, and then all the text messages start going through, waiting for you to respond to confirm your identity, Yeah, and then now they got you. Now they got you. Wow, and Instacart, dude. in response to that one, turned around and said, eh, "Nothing we could do." I mean, one. But you it's know what true. you could what do, can as we a, do as a consumer? What you could do? Contact course, the fraud almost. department of your uh, of your cell phone companies. Have FCC uh-huh. charges filed and have the fraud department look into it because there's laws associated with that from the FCC standpoint and and uh, the whole fraud aspect of things. Crossing State. Like, th- there's a lot. It's a lot going on. There's so much. It's a lot. It's a lot. Dude, I'm still stuck in this Wayfair child right. trafficking thing. And uh, I We am... don't have enough time in the show to go on about it. <laughs> yeah. Read up because this is nuts. I'm telling you. Wow, dude. All right. Yeah. It's
1: time for Florida Man
0: Stories. Florida Man, <laughs> <Story>. Florida <laughs> Man <laughs> Stories brought to you by summer of 2020 we don't know if it's the human or the season but though (laughs) hey we got to wrap up the show somehow so we're gonna have a little bit of fun with it here take a look out of here this is uh from wfla in jacksonville florida okay let me get closer to the uh mic this is uh a good one (laughs) mary daniel went 114 days without seeing her husband steve she explains to wfla.com their only contact was through a window screen we did two window visits but they're incredibly difficult he cried at both of them and so it was a difficult decision that i really had to make that, that this this wasn't in his best interest steve daniel has early onset alzheimer's and for the last year he's been living in a memory care facility in jacksonville florida Before COVID-19, Mary saw Steve every day. But when nursing homes and assisted living facilities went on lockdown, Mary explains that her husband's health took a turn. He's been so isolated. This has been really, really difficult for him and I. He's lost 10 pounds over the last four months. I've really seen him sort of wither away. Danielle, determined to reunite with her husband of 24 years, tells WFLA.com that's when she decided to ask the nursing home for a job. I sent them a letter and said, what can I do? I'm desperate. I need to get in and see him. He needs me. Can I volunteer? Well, last Wednesday, I get a phone call out of the blue from the corporate office out of North Carolina saying, do you still want a job? She said, yes, I still want a job. I had to do 20 hours worth of video training on everything from food safety to Alzheimer's disease to infection control. The whole nine yards. I had to have a COVID test, a TB test, a drug test, a background fingerprint screen. It is 100% legitimate work. I actually go in and sweep the floors of the kitchen, mop the floors, do the dishes, and and then I finally get to spend a couple hours with my husband. Hmm. Danielle tells WFLA.com her new gig may not be glamorous, but seeing Steve for the first time since March was well worth it. Now, Danielle is determined to help others reunite with their loved ones. She has created a Facebook page, Caregivers for Compromise, because isolation kills two. Rallying, other families urged Governor DeSantis to allow safe visitation. Even though, uh, even though Danielle, even though you're talking about Florida and WFLA, you're talking about Florida, th- this is the same thing in other states. It'd be great to have this nationwide, you know, yeah. revisit the visitation aspect. The story wraps up by her saying, we can't give up. We can't. We have to fight for them until our last breath or until their last breath. I think we can be successful. Strong story, Florida woman.
1: So normally, these stories are comical and quirky. This is actually pretty awesome. And it goes hand in hand with what Summer was talking about, or, or what we were talking about, how to review the total compensation package when somebody comes to work. Bingo. Think about it. For this person, is a paycheck, and they get to see their spouse. Dude. That's compensation, right? There, Can't buddy. beat it, right? You can't beat that, bro. You, and I, I commend that facility for following up with the odd request they got. Right, so somebody said, you know what, this is a good idea. We have a position available. Let's have this person come in. Let's train them a, a little bit, and we'll just give them some time to visit her husband. What? What? It's dude. That is exactly what you need to do. Exactly. That that right there is is what trailblazing is. The question is, right? If they want to keep her there, <laughs> then don't release the husband. <laughs> like, what if they? What if the husband gets better and they release
0: him? Like then she quits, right? But again, it, so, it's it's so so that's a that, really good story. To that. So what? What if what if she doesn't want to be there anymore when that time mm-hmm. comes? Yeah, you're right. And then right. now this is just part of a natural flow of of separation of employment that is completely understood well. In advance. Well yeah. in advance. And there's nothing wrong with it. Completely nope. honorable on all parts. That's this year, right. this 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 was a real good benefit related story. And I say benefit related story because not all benefits come in the form of, you know, that tangible thing that you hold in your hand, right? But some benefits come from the employer taking a look at the world from a different perspective. Stepping off the soapboxes, coming down to the ground level, and working with people hand in hand. And this, this is one of those key instances. Yep. So that that's why I chose this as your uh, Florida story to wrap things up. With that being said, Ricky, uh, just like we started the show, we're at the end of the show. It's your show now. Due to your Twitter war. Can I can I come back are you are, will you let me be a co-host again
1: JC you were never not a co-host okay
0: all right <laughs> this well, is your show as much as it is mine Well, good good because according to after the Twitter spat you had I I had to turn the reins over to you today so uh-huh. I appreciate you letting me come back on my show <laughs> which is our show so thank you
1: you're welcome from
0: us to you oh, whatever that means I appreciate it so much <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Hey, uh, with that being said, Rick, we are, guess what, at that time. What? Word. What are some of the best ways people can reach you and some things you want to say? Your final thoughts and contact. Final thoughts is, folks, shit is getting real.
1: Things are tough. Organizations are doing the best they can. Do not forget about your employees. Do not forget about the talent you have there listen to what they have to say. Listen, because they are the ones who are dealing with your customer. Pay them well, focus on the total compensation, focus on their benefits, focus on their well-being. And if you do that, that loyalty will be repaid tenfold. That way you can really be as prosperous as you know you can be with the talent you have there. With that said, the best way you can reach us, LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts, let us know. HR Florida 2020 is coming up in about a month or so, month and a half. We're going to be live on the floor. JC's going to be in town. I'm going to be there.
0: I'll be speaking. We're going to have a
1: great time. So you gonna guys are. to be there. looking
0: forward to meeting everyone down there and then tune in for us on the ground floor next year. Officially committed and contracted For Space Ghost 2021 in Melbourne, Florida. Officially committed and contracted. Moving forward with Disrupt HR Gainesville, Florida. Hmm. We're going to be there in 2021 in springtime as things open up and move forward. So if you do have an event, a private party, a special event, a birthday party, you want to contract Ricky, let us know. He'll stop by. Otherwise, the rest of us, we're just here to make the world go round and make things happen. Ladies and gentlemen, my name's JC. I'm finally back. That's the co-host of the program. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Drive safe, and y'all have a good night now out there.
2: Hi, I'm Summer Shiraz. Hi, I'm Summer Shiraz. Hi, I'm Summer Summer Shiraz. Hi, I'm Summer. Summer. Summer, Shiraz. Hi, I'm Summer Shiraz. Hi, I'm Summer Shiraz. I'm gonna give
1: some tacos. Taco should be enjoyed slowly. I, I am that. Summer
2: Shroud and I'm I'm frankly scared right now after <laughs> what I just heard and thank you for having me. Having me, having me.